What is happening, everybody, and welcome to the Stochastic NFL Tournament Strategy Show. I made an executive decision right before we started, Neil, to take the flannel off, and I didn't decide to do it until Jacob got to five on the countdown. So I was very quickly stripping right before the show started, but uh, we're all set. We're ready to go. We're sponsored here by DraftKings Rainmakers, and a lot of stuff going on in the Rainmaker streets. They've got the free pack, starter pack. That's always something that's available. But in addition to that, we've got... NFL pack drops going on. We've got for UFC and PGA next year, there's the opening octagon and, uh, and, and the PGA green passes. So you can get those to so get yourself discounts to start next year. So if you guys want to check out Rainmakers, now is the time to not only get stuff for the end of this year, but also for the start of next year, because those sets and information coming out about those as well. Links for all that below. And of course, we've got week 14 of the NFL season to break down here. And you know, this is going to be the final week of buys. And then we've also got best ball playoffs starting next week. So do us a favor, guys, to come in, like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Neil, I, I wanted to ask you about this before we start, because I know you're a big best ball guy. How are your best ball teams looking in the final week of the regular season? It was a brutal week for me last week. So, so I all year I've had like three to six lineups in the top 10,000 of best ball mania four, which you get $250 minimum if, if you're in the top 10,000. Last week, I dropped down to one. And just like looking at my top lineups, it was like, they all had active players, the, the ones that I was really counting on, the ones at the top, and they just bottomed out. Like Marquise Brown put up a goose egg. Of course, I was already missing some players because it was week 13, a lot of teams on bye, but then it was my remaining players did awful. So it, it's tough, particularly in bye heavy weeks. Like the, the impact of player scores is more important. And I have very little DK Metcalf, Mike Evans, like all the guys who went off last week. So I'm still uh, advancing 23 out of 120 in best ball mania four. So, you know, better than average advance rate, but overall not feeling great about it. I'm, I'm only advancing, I think, five right now out of 54 on DraftKings. So it has been brutal for me on DraftKings. Um, yeah, not not my best best ball season. How about you? So this was the first year I really did a lot of best ball. I max entered the DK big contest, and I was doing really well for myself until a couple of weeks ago. And I'd have to recount what it is that I'm at in terms of ones I'm expecting to advance. But I just like all my players are injured at this point. Like I don't, I don't have quarterbacks. Exactly. I don't have quarterbacks left. I had something that I really prioritize is you, if you remember when Joe Burrow got hurt in the preseason, his draft yeah. stock plummeted. And it was really easy that. after that to build teams where it was like if you had a pick in like the early part of the first round, like if I had one one, I was taking Justin Jefferson. But beyond that, I would try to take Jamar Chase because then you could go Jamar Chase. T Higgins, Joe Burrow. And I really like that build. And now I'm looking through my team's like, oh, look, this team, it's advancing. It's got like 2,000 points. And you go look at it, it's like, oh, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T Higgins. So I yeah. don't have, I don't have quarterbacks left on a lot of my teams. Or if I do, it's like somebody I took towards the end of the draft is like a second quarterback because Joe Burrow ended up being one of my most rostered QBs. Yeah, I was, I, I have, uh, the, the other thing that happened with the the six teams that were hovering around the top 10,000, one of them was a Kirk Cousins, Joe Burrow team. Yeah. One of them was Mark Andrews and Dallas Goddard as the tight end. So it's just been, I, I've been struggling to roster full teams recently. And I, I did the math last week. I just looked it up because I was like, am I running worse than other people? I had like, out of my 120 teams in best ball mania four, I think I had 24 that had no quarterback and 26 that had no tight end available, even though I'm very cognizant of the buys. Like I try to work around it. Whereas I, I looked at some other people who are not cognizant of the buys and they had more players active. So it was pretty frustrating for me that it should have been a week. That's good for me as somebody who's paying attention to buys and, and just rough, but that's kind of best ball. You know, you, there, there is a lot of luck involved. I think even more than DFS, because there, there's so much like you got to stay healthy for an entire season. So them's the breaks, I guess. 
do you have any individual teams you're like oh this team rules not really not really i, I look at them <laughs> like not I, like i think i have some that are like okay this team has a shot but like my healthier teams have like running backs who like miles sanders kind of teams like running backs who have fallen out of favor uh and most of my teams just like i look through it and i'm like man this team has like five players hurt like i don't know how how that happens so yeah not, do you have any that you're loving I have one. It's a so my best teams are Brock Purdy teams because you were able to get Purdy late. So like I have one team that is I'm looking at it right now. So it's Purdy, Debo, Ayuk, and Kittle, and then the wide receivers I have the other wide receivers I have AJ Brown, I have Amon Ross St. Brown, and then running backs I have Kamara. That's another one too. My best team generally have Kamara because Kamara fell pretty late in drafts. So Kamara, Jerome Ford, Mostert on this team as well. AJ Dillon's so maybe like he'll be decent. Uh, but like I, I, I feel like I draft like I have a good amount of exposure to Chan as well. But like nice. he's not on my good team somehow. It's like I have exactly. good players and they're just not together. I got all excited about uh, Pacheco being out because I have very I have like faded Pacheco, drafted a, a good amount of um, McKinnon and Clyde Rizalera, and I believe I'm not. I think I have 11 out of 120, so I'm just over average on McKinnon. I'm advancing zero, I believe, of those 11. And then five, Clyde Odezalera, I think I'm advancing zero of those as well. And they're they're like not even, they're like three of them points out of first. So uh, yeah, not, not the, the teams that have the good players are just not good teams. We're about to talk about that Chiefs situation here in a second, but where we usually start the show is by talking about the quarterbacks, some of the stacks they're building around. And then of course, at the end of the show, Neil and I talk about our favorite stacks overall on the slate and I had bits and pieces that worked last week. One of them was kind of a cheat, though, like because I had Zach Moss in my stack from last week, and he was sure. in the million-making winning lineup. But it, it wasn't like he was great. Just all the running backs sucked last week, and he was cheap. So he ended up being in the million-making winning lineup. Uh, but I also – I did have – so I went last, last week with – I had Minshew, I had Moss, and I had Michael Pittman. Pittman was really good. Minshew was solid, but ended up getting passed by Purdy teams because – 49ers ended up being really, really chalky last week. And uh, and then Zach Moss was uh, somebody we're going to have to have another discussion about this week and what we're going to be doing with them. So that's what we do at the end of the show is try to figure out our favorite stacks for single entry. But starting here, Neil, are there any pay-up quarterback options that you are gravitating towards for week 14? Yeah, I guess I've got the uh, the top stacks tool pulled up, and I guess I don't have the actual salaries in front of me, but... Um... Obviously, uh, the, the Kansas City-Buffalo game is one of the games that has more explosive upside, uh, probably the most on the entire site where both teams have great offenses. So definitely uh, interested in both Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen just from a, like, th this could go completely off. And looking at the top stacks tool, both both look great in the top stacks tool as well. So yeah, I would say I definitely am gravitating toward those two. And then the other one that really interests me is... Uh, Justin Herbert looks fantastic in the tools. That was a game that I was kind of anticipating I would have some interest in. It's actually coming in as a higher owned game than I was hoping it would, um, but still, you know, a game that just lo looks great to me. So I'd say those three in particular of the high priced options look really good to me. Mahomes, Allen, and Justin Herbert, I think all make a lot of sense here. How about you? Yeah, so I've got Patrick Mahomes is my most rostered quarterback overall as of right now. And it's another slate where it's like kind of weird at quarterback. I mean, Brock Purdy is expected to be uber chalk, like ownership in like the mid to high teens. So Brock Purdy is somebody who, you know, we'll talk about him in a little bit. Like I, I get lineups with Purdy, but I'm well underweight to the field. It's it's very rare. You see a quarterback who's projected to be, you know, like 15, 16, 17% owned. But I mean, Brock Purdy is the betting favorite to an MVP. People love right now 
Brock Purdy and the 49ers offense, especially after they just absolutely thrashed the Eagles in a game that was very highly televised, which is probably driving some of the ownership to some extent as well. For me, though, my favorite payoff option, Patrick Mahomes. He's fairly modest ownership. And one thing that I really do like about stacking Mahomes is pretty much all my Mahomes stacks come with Travis Kelsey. And this is also a very shitty tight end slate. So you're kind of killing two birds with one stone here where you're getting a stack. It's one that I think is under-owned. And also I'm getting the tight end position filled, which is just a really difficult position to feel good about, especially when you think that who's the tight end that shows up in the Sims at like a, a ridiculous rate every single week lately? McBride. But the Cardinals are on a bye this week, so we don't have McBride to play. So that's somebody who literally I get to in like 40, 50, 60% of lineups every single week but not this one because McBride isn't there. So Mahomes to Kelsey, that's probably going to be my most rostered stack of the weekend. Yeah, it's a really straightforward build there. And, and obviously you, you love the game environment of just both teams having great offenses. So theoretically, at least like ha has the, at least the upside to go completely off where both teams are just trading touchdowns the entire game. Uh, so that makes, makes sense to me. Yeah, and then let's talk about some of the mid-range, maybe upper mid-range quarterbacks and having discussion here about Brock Purdy, who if this was a cash game show, I would say like, Hey, yeah, just play Brock Purdy. He's the best overall quarterback to get to on the slate points per dollar. But for tournament purposes, I run everything through the Sims and, you know, I get to around 10% of Purdy, but that's like half of what the field has. I don't think he's a terrible option until you look at what the ownership is. Just, I'm not getting close to what it is. So it's kind of a weird thing where I look at, it's like, Hey, Brock Purdy is my fourth most roster quarterback of the week. And I'm nowhere near where the field is at. So what do you make of Brock Purdy relative to his ownership? Yeah, so he, I mean, he looks okay in the top stack. So we've got him, at least in my latest update, 14% ownership, 16% top stack. So we we actually do have a little bit of positive leverage in the latest run of the top stacks tool. Uh, so that gives me, you know, some reason to have optimism for Brock Purdy. He's also like, it's he, he's both easy and difficult to stack because like, like compared to Mahomes, he's very easy. Like you, you've got four pass catching options that you want to pair with Brock Purdy, including Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle and then Ayuk and uh, Debo Samuel. So you got the, the four pass catching options. That's pretty clear, but it's like week to week. It's so hard for me at least to predict which of those pass catching options is going to be great. So that makes it a little bit tough with Purdy, but still, you know, it's not that many uh, different options to choose from. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm going to have some Purdy. He's not like getting such high ownership. Like if he was getting, you know, 20% ownership, I would probably fade Purdy, but at the 14% we're projecting him at right now, um, I think I'll probably be close to the field to be my guess. I don't think that I'm going to be like full fading Brock Purdy. It's a decent matchup um, with Seattle. So yeah, it's hard. It's hard to take a real hard stance on Purdy. They have a 30 implied team total. Like it's just such a great, like they're expected to score. Uh, they have the highest implied team total of the slate by what, like seven points or so. Like it's, it's, uh, it's hard to really want to fade that game. I guess the chief, never mind, five points. Um, but yeah, I, I have some interest there. I'm not going to be going crazy with my Purdy because uh, I do think if any if anybody is going to get steamed higher than where we have them, I could see Purdy. I could see him getting up to 20 plus percent ownership. Don't you think that's a possibility? Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's for multiple reasons. Number one, just points per dollar. He projects as the best QB on the slate on every single site you look at. And then also you always have that little bit of an added bump factor of he's the most talked about player in football right now because he is sure. the betting favorite to an MVP. And they're just, constant debates about Brock Purdy on social media, which I do think probably subconsciously raises what his exposure is going to be. People just constantly hear Purdy, Purdy, Purdy. And then you go and build lineups just like, oh yeah, Brock Purdy, we were just talking about him. So I think that's something else that 
could make his ownership a little bit higher than otherwise would have been. So yeah, I do think he's going to be somewhere around 20% owned. Yeah. And that's at that point, I think I'd rather just take my shots elsewhere. Just hope that somebody else can really separate there um, at, at 14%, some interest, 20%, like it's, he's totally a fine play, um, but he's, he's going to be chalky, probably the chalkiest quarterback. Yeah, and there's a couple other contrarian QBs I like. My my lineups that I've built right now have very contrarian stacks relative to what our most recent ownership projections are. Justin Fields, I did see we had Brian Berg in the chat said, please tell me Fields will be low owned. So one thing that is going to make this a little bit tricky at the time that Neil and I are doing the show on Saturday afternoon is the last time we had an ownership run, it was when the total in the Bears game was, I think, three points lower. So what happened is earlier in the week, that was expected to be a very bad weather game. And now as we've gotten closer to the game on Sunday, we still need to check in to see what the weather is going to end up being. We are no longer having those same weather concerns we had a few days ago. And one thing that's really made a difference is just you can look at the total. Where the total a couple of days ago was 40 and a half points. At the time we're recording, it's 43 and a half. Now you might think like, well, what, what difference does three points make? Well, think about it. Three points is what, like 8% or so of 40 and a half. So if you think of it from that way, and this isn't an exact science, but it's somewhere around like an 8% projection boost to every single player in that game. So right now we don't have fields projected for all that much ownership. And I really like being overweight to the field on him. We've seen at times fields is a massive upside for DFS purposes. And you don't have to stack them super heavily either. Like obviously DJ Moore has been somebody who's been a viable stacking partner with Justin Fields that we haven't seen with him in previous years. So that's a good one. But uh, Justin Fields, like you don't have to make like double, triple stacks of Justin Fields to capture all his upside. Yeah, that, that is true. He's, he's very easy to single stack. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we do have, we've got him at 10% ownership, um, which to me, like according to our top stacks tool, that is too high. I would guess our top stack odds on Chicago come up. Um, it is not the, sorry, it is a great spot for Justin Fields. Uh, the uh, the Lions have given up the third most schedule adjusted fantasy points per game to quarterbacks over the past five weeks. That includes uh, giving up more than average against the run for quarterbacks uh, in particular. So it is a great spot for Justin Fields. Um, I don't know. I feel like that that is one of the spots where it's going to be difficult to get a gauge for where ownership is actually going to end up on a spotlight fields with the changing of the, the lines in the game with the weather being kind of uncertain. It, it could, it, it's such an ugly week that I could see people gravitating there because he's not as expensive as the, you know, the, the real top, like there, there's a drop off. Herbert is 7,500 fields drop all the way down to 6,800. And you clearly like, at least to me, I clearly like him better than Trevor Lawrence. I guess a lot of people want to gravitate to Purdy, but feels like at least a, a natural pivot off of Purdy, just $300 more. Um, I think it's it's a totally it's a, it's a, obviously a great spot for Fields where they have uh, a decent implied team total against the Lions. The Lions haven't been great recently against uh, quarterbacks. I ten percent he, he just does not look good in the top stacks tool. Um, so I I would imagine you know if we if we were playing today looking at the tools right now ten percent ownership one point five percent chance of the Bears being the top stack. I would probably come in underweight to the field on fields, uh, but I wouldn't feel you know good about it. We got somebody in the chat who had brought up, is Geno Smith going to play? Sean Preston asked that in the chat. And my answer to that is, uh, I hope so. I think that it's an interesting way to differentiate your lineups off of all of the Brock Purdy and San Francisco ownership, playing the other side of the game and going with Geno Smith, because this is another very contrarian quarterback 
And I, I'm assuming Geno Smith is going to play another one. You know, we need some updates as we get closer to Sunday. I'm not massively concerned about his availability, but especially if this is going to be a game where the Seahawks play from behind, Geno Smith throwing the ball a lot. I don't imagine this is going to be a game where they're going to be running a ton. I think it's a pretty good spot for the Seahawks offense, not because of what the matchup is, but because what I think the game script is going to be. Yeah, that, that is true. They, they should be forced to pass. Yeah, I don't know if, if Geno Smith is going to play. I know they called up um, or they they signed somebody off the practice squad. I forget what exactly uh, change they made, but they made a they called somebody up at quarterback that made me think maybe he's actually not going to play this week. Um, but it is I don't think we we don't know yet whether Geno Smith is going to play. I'm probably not playing whoever the Seahawks quarterback is against the Niners either way. Personally, I guess um, maybe it just affects what, uh, the extent of your interest in the Niners if if the Seahawks are able to, you know, play Geno Smith and maybe keep it close. Um, but I'm at least not going to the Seahawks quarterback. And the only other quarterback that I'm getting to is like a core play for me, Jake Browning, who I'm interested to see what his ownership is going to be too because he looked fucking good last week. A Monday Night Football. And yeah. I've been saying this throughout the week that of all the games that we've seen this year in primetime, I think C.J. Beathard versus Jake Browning was probably like the highest level of quarterback play we've seen in a primetime game this year. And this isn't even me like shitting on other quarterbacks as much as Browning played extremely well that game. And Beathard after Lawrence got hurt, he was nearly flawless towards the tail end of that game. So I was pretty impressed with Browning last week. I'm not exactly sure what the field is going to end up doing. I, I have a hunch he's going to end up being fairly popular. He's projected right now for ownership right around 10%. But I think he's one of the better value plays on the on the entire week that we have at QB. Were you impressed with Jake Browning last week? Are you looking to play him? And are there any other punt QBs you like? Definitely impressed with him last week. Like, yeah, he, he was much better than I think anybody anticipated in that game. I don't know if I'm going to go have too much Jake Browning this week just because I do think people saw the game, saw how good he was, and now they're going to want to play him. So I think that that might be a, a fade for me or at least somebody that I'm not going to play a ton of. Um, one of the the quarterbacks who I came in really like hoping he was going to be low-owned because I think people uh, get the ick of uh, playing Russell Wilson. Like in, in general, people don't want to play Russell Wilson. He's been running a little bit more this year. Now is an, a great spot against the Chargers. So I think that Russell Wilson is somebody that I do still have some interest in i was disappointed to see that we do have him getting a fair amount of ownership in our latest run eight and a half percent ownership going to russell wilson so not the contrarian play that i thought he might be um but i think that that is still a spot that i'm willing to go to at eight and a half percent ownership and hopefully it comes down you know by tomorrow uh I don't, I don't really see Russell Wilson getting a ton of steam either way. Like I would be surprised to see Wilson get, you know, we, we talked about maybe Purdy gets up to 20%. I'd be surprised to see Russell Wilson get up to like 14%. Like, I don't think that he is the type of quarter. I think people just don't like playing Russell Wilson. So um, I don't think he's likely to get steamed uh, in which case, you know, I, I still have some interest at 8%, whatever we have Russell Wilson at. Anything else that quarterback that stands out to you want to talk about? I do have some interest in Jared Goff. I think um, that that was, you know, looking at the game to start, I thought that game was going to, going to stand out to me. The bears have been a lot better than I thought they were like early in the year. They were not great against the pass. They've been much better against the pass recently. Um, so it is a little bit of a tough spot, but I think Detroit has just such a good offense that uh, if, if 
Jared Goff is not going to get a ton of ownership, and we we currently only have him getting 1.6% ownership. I'm willing to just bet on the talent of that offense with Amon Ross St. Brown, with Sam Laporta, Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery. Like I, I just think Detroit has a strong enough offense that I'm willing to bet on them, even in a what has turned out to be not a great matchup with this Bears defense. So I do have uh, actually kind of a lot of interest in Jared Goff if he's going to be sub 1% owned. Even if he's you know sub 5% owned, yeah, sign me up for some Jared Goff there. All right, so let's go ahead and start talking about the running backs. And where we're going to have to start here is with really the most important piece of news that's come out over the last few days, and that is the injury to Pacheco that you'd also mentioned when you're talking about your best ball teams before, Neil, because – now, somebody's going to have to take on the bulk of the carries for the Chiefs because Pacheco has really been a workhorse for this team. And, you know, the last couple of years for the Chiefs, it's been more of a timeshare where it's been, you know, McKinnon's on the field, CEH is on the field. We saw Pacheco take over towards the tail end of last year, but it's really been multiple guys that have been on the field, and that hasn't been the case this year. So now it kind of brings up an interesting point, whereas does CEH take on the Pacheco role and does McKinnon kind of stick in his same role? Do they split the work 50-50? Is it going to be Pacheco's the guy in passing situation? Or sorry, is it going to be McKinnon's in, in passing situations, CH in running situations? It's kind of hard to know. But right now, I could tell you that when I'm running all my lineups through our Sims, I am getting to CEH a very good amount, not getting to a ton of McKinnon. Now, if we get news that McKinnon's going to be the guy, that could certainly change what I end up doing. But I've got CH showing up in a third of my lineups right now. Neil, how do you think you are going to approach the Chiefs running back situation tomorrow? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Andy Reid has come out and said that CEH is the guy so far. So it would be a change if they if they you know go back and say no, it's going to be McKinnon. I think it it, is, it does sound like CEH is going to be the starter. Um, I do think like they don't. I don't know that CEH has a very long leash, and I think that like McKinnon, regardless, uh, with, with CEH as a starter, I think McKinnon is likely to be a lot more involved than he has been or had been with uh, Pacheco as a starter. So. I still think McKinnon, I, I do have a little bit of interest there, but I think that you're right. Like the, the first place you want to go of these Kansas City running backs, uh, it would be CEH first for me. Um, we, do, we do have uh, CEH also getting more ownership, though. We have now up to 14%. looks like we just did a run of ownership, and we now have CEH at 14% ownership, uh, which that seems totally reasonable to me. For a 4,200 CEH, uh, 14% ownership. Yeah, sign me up for that. I would I would be willing to take some shots. I don't think I'm going to have a ton because it's not the best spot in the world against Buffalo. Um, I do think it'll be a split backfield most likely between CEH and McKinnon. But at 14%, like my guess would be I'm going to be at least close to the field because he is 4,200, a starting running back on a great offense. Um, we currently have McKinnon at 2%. And I think this is, you know, th these numbers are going to update, I think, be before lock. Like I, I would be, um, a little bit surprised to see it stay at 14% CEH, 2% McKinnon. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe that is, is accurate, but, uh, 4,800 McKinnon, 2% ownership. I would still have interest there. Um, my guess is that it comes in higher, just all the chatter on Twitter about how, how great McKinnon was last year down the stretch run. I think there's a lot of people talking about what McKinnon did in the same spot last year. So I'd be a little bit surprised to see him at 2% ownership. If he were to be at 2% ownership, I would definitely have interest in that because uh, we, we have seen it before. He is he's involved in the passing game, so he has a little bit of a floor, assuming, assuming he gets reps. He has a little bit of a floor just from the pass catching, and then, of course, he has shown the ability to blow up as well. So I think you're right. Like CEH is probably the guy. That's what Andy Reid has been saying. He's also cheaper. Um, I think both of them are, you know, 
interesting. I, I think CEH is a guy, if he stays at 14% ownership, I think he is probably the better play. Um, McKinnon, though, at 2% also interesting as a contrarian play. Yeah, and people in the chat asking who we like as a pay-up running back. And the answer to me is McCaffrey. If I'm paying up at running back on FanDuel or DraftKings, I'm going to be landing on Christian McCaffrey, another guy who's showing up in about a third of my lineups right now. Very expensive both DraftKings and FanDuel. But we do have this added piece of value now in Clyde Edwards-Alaire and potentially Jarek McKinnon that we didn't have yesterday when Lafie and I did the Sim show. And it does really change the outlook of my lineups because by getting to a cheaper back in a CEH who shows up in a third of my lineups now, it means a couple of things. Number one, it means my exposure to Zach Moss comes down. He's still the running back overall, get the most exposure to running everything through our data, but also gets more of Christian McCaffrey because we have a source of salary savings that we just didn't have earlier in the week. So Christian McCaffrey in a weird way is benefiting from the absence of Isaiah Pacheco because it gives us his value piece that makes it easier to get to him. So Christian McCaffrey is chalk. And earlier in the week, I thought that it was a chalk piece that was just going to be hard for me to get to because of the salary constraints. And then once more value opens up, it's like, okay, I actually can get to McCaffrey at his ownership. Yeah, this is a, it's a tough slate because I actually really like the high end at running back. And I, I know the, the cheap end at wide receiver is not all that pretty. So maybe that's something that I'll have to, to look at closer, the, the cheap wide receivers, because I would love to just play the expensive running backs. McCaffrey obviously looks great. The, the Niners have a 30 implied team total, highest on the slate by far. And McCaffrey does it, you know, re- regardless of the matchup. McCaffrey is just so involved. Like he has a pretty high floor and an enormous ceiling also. So yeah, hard not to love. McCaffrey. I also really like Camara against the Panthers. Uh, I'll get also one of my biggest best ball mistakes, by the way. I've like full faded Camara, so that is crushing me. Uh, 13% ownership currently going to Camara in one of the better matchups you can po- possibly have against the Panthers. He's also a thousand dollars cheaper than McCaffrey, so I actually have a lot of interest there. And then, uh, if you want to get really ugly, so the the Chargers have been talking about changing up what they're doing at running back. Uh, so like they, they might, Austin Eckler might get phased out a little bit based on what Brandon Staley has been saying recently. I think that's going to drive down ownership on Eckler. He's 7,600 in a nice spot against Denver's run defense that has had some games where they just not, not as many, not so much recently, but uh, early in the year, at least they were getting absolutely crushed and they, they do seem to be kind of a, a reborn defense. So maybe I'm, I'm overstating the matchup here, but still over the past five games, looks like they're about 12th or so in terms of schedule adjusted fantasy points given up to running backs. I still think that it is a spot where the chargers could, you know, put, put up some points here on them. And I also think like, this feels like a spot where they they they're saying they're gonna you know work in other running backs maybe maybe try new things at running back. I still would be surprised to see Eckler not get the bulk of the carries, and um, you know you can't. I'm sure every running back in the NFL is motivated, so I don't want to say he's going to be extra motivated after those comments, but you do see it like pretty regularly. Uh, having somewhat frequently players like get kind of called out, and then they come in and have a better game than they have had in recent weeks when you're least expecting it. And I, I could see that happening here with Eckler. I like the spot. We've got him at 6% ownership. Um, I think at 6% ownership, it's hard for me not to have some interest in Eckler against the Broncos here in a game environment that I really like. So I actually think that across the high end, and then of course, Kyron Williams has just been so yeah. good. He, he gets so many opportunities, hard not to have some interest there as well. So really across the, the top 
of the end, uh, the, the top end running backs, I do have interest across the board. Um, I just have to figure out other other cheap players that I can work in there. And I guess may, maybe uh, just playing three running backs and having CEH be one of them. Maybe that is one of the tricks to uh, unlocking these guys, as you said with McCaffrey. Uh, but I, I really do like the high end running backs this week. Yeah, I get to 11% of Kyron Williams in the lineups I've built right now, which is about double the field. So if I'm going to go to one of those contrarian guys, re- relative to the ownership on McCaffrey, we've got Kamara, Eckler, Kyron Williams. I like Kyron the most. He's a terrible matchup on the road against Baltimore. But I kind of wonder if his workload just exceeds any sort of matchups or just overall expectations that we would have in terms of efficiency. Because you look at some of these games that he's had, and it's like, all right, last week he averaged 4.2 yards per carry, but when he get 21 carries, 88 yards, he gets all the goal line touch, he gets targeted five times in the passing game. It's like he kind of had a shitty game, and he scores over 20 fantasy points. And it's not the only time we've seen that with Kyron Williams either. Going back to the start of the year when he was really popular in DFS, we're having games where he was averaging like 3.5, 3.7 yards per carry, and it was leading to like 28 and 30 fantasy points because he touches the ball like 30 times in some of these games where if we look at some of those games I was referencing earlier in the year game against the Colts, 25 carries for 103 yards. If you give a guy 25 plus carries, it's a pretty safe bet. That they're going to have over hundred rushing yards. And then in addition, he's getting all the goal line touches. So he scores a couple of touchdowns getting targeted in the passing game week two against the 49ers. He had 14 carries for 52 yards, but he gets targeted 10 times for whatever reason. They love using Kyron Williams. And it's not even to shit on him in any way. It's just, it doesn't matter how poorly he's doing from an efficiency standpoint. They're just going to give him the ball 25, 30 times in a lot of these games. So with him only being five, 6% owned, I like getting overweight to him. And I do prefer him to Eckler or to Kamara. I think I, I prefer, I think Kyron is fourth in the pecking order for me, just because of the matchup with Baltimore. I, I think that you, you just made a good case, a, a great case for him. Like, and he, he's done it, as you said, like big games. They just played the, the Browns last week, right? Uh, they're playing the Ravens this week. Uh, they got it done last week in a tough matchup. What's to say you can't get it done at 7,300 and, you know, everybody's seen the matchup just like me and saying, okay, I don't want to go there. The 16 implied team total for the Rams. So um, he is, I guess kind of kind of a, a contrarian option here today. I still yep. rank him fourth, uh, but that's probably just me being too biased by the matchups. And yet again, another of my terrible best ball fades in, in Kyron Williams, absolutely crushing me. So maybe maybe it's uh, me me wish casting a little bit, but I I'd be less I would be less surprised to see Kyron Williams get to ten percent ownership than I would be to see Austin Eckler. I guess like we we have him at six and a half percent ownership right now. But I do think people kind of also see like he's gotten it done so many times. It wouldn't be that surprising to me to see Kyron Williams get steamed a little bit, whereas I don't really see Eckler getting steamed. So I think it's partially like just my uh, internal like ownership adjustments where I think maybe I, I, I would kind of expect Kyron to be higher owned than Eckler. And, and may, maybe I'm wrong in making that assumption. I am usually wrong when I doubt the uh, our ownership tools, but um, you know, I think that's part of the equation for me is I think people won't want to play Eckler after Staley's comments, whereas people have seen Kyron do it so many times that they probably want to play him. And then if we go ahead and we look at who is expected to be popular on the slate as we get into the mid-range, Zach Moss, once again, projected for at around 30% ownership. He was 70% owned in the Millie Maker last week. Yeah. Didn't have a good game. But one thing that was kind of funny about it, and Lofi and I were talking about it yesterday when we were looking at uh, this week's slate and then also reviewing last week's slate a little bit is he was still in the Millie making winning lineup. And if you tried to pivot off of him and go to another cheap running back, you just played somebody else who was comparably not good. 
which was something that happened last week where all the guys that are priced around him, Chuba Hubbard is one exception, but like he was such an off the wall play that he was 1% owned and nobody yeah. really had him. But the other guys that were reasonable options that were priced around, around, uh, I'm trying to remember who it was. There was pull up the results. The, the uh, both of the Pittsburgh running backs were like relatively inexpensive against the Cardinals. They were, so and they were they both were, popular. Yep. They were both pretty popular. Both uh, what, I don't know if there's anybody that was actually like cheap that was getting a ton of ownership last week. Yeah. There, well, I mean, Zach Moss took up so much of it that right. it was hard for Good anybody point. else to be like crazy popular. Yeah. But the other point too, is like there were players who were like 10% owned that weren't quite as cheap as what Zach Moss was, but they ended up just putting up comparable to even worse fantasy scores. So right, I've got all the results in front of me now. I'm just going to sort by the running backs here. But yeah, Najee Harris and Jalen Warren were two of them. And for the millionth time, we heard that Jalen Warren was going to be taking on a, a bigger yeah. role, which didn't happen on Thursday Night Football, didn't happen last week on Sunday right. either. But I'm sure we're going to hear about it once again next week when they end up coming back. But we had four cheap. All right, so I'm going to sort just by ownership last week. Zach Moss was the most popular he scored 7.7 .7 fantasy points at $4,600. Jalen Warren actually was 5,400, and he was 20% owned, and he only scored six. And then you had uh, Ramondre Stevenson, another one. He was only 6K. He scored 3.9. Now it comes a little bit of an asterisk because he was hurt last week, got yeah. injured during the game, but still only scores 3.9. Javante Williams scored 10 at $5,700. He was somewhat popular. Najee Harris scored 9.7 at $5,200. So it's like any of these guys you tried to go to pivot off of Zach Moss, you got for the most part, like one or two less fantasy points. And they're also a little bit more expensive. So that's how Zach Moss landed in the Millie making winning lineup last week. Now, all of that aside, I'm going back to Zach Moss again this week in a good matchup against the Bengals. The results weren't really there last week, but the volume really was. And that's what I care most about. Zach Moss had 19 rushing attempts last week, also had three targets. He was on the field for basically every single snap that the Colts ran. So the opportunities there, I, I very highly doubt people are going to get there at the same rate they did last week just because people are going to go like, oh, he only scored seven fantasy points. I don't want to play him again. And then they're just instead going to play somebody else who also didn't score a lot of fantasy points last week. So I'm, I'm going back to well with Zach Moss this week. How about yourself? Yeah, so I, I did not play a ton of Zach Moss last week. I think I had like 10% Zach Moss, uh, which I, I was going back and forth. On, on the show last week, you might remember, I was like, he looks great, but also I, this kind of feels like a spot where I might want to fade him. I ended up largely fading Zach Moss, and he had so many opportunities. And then it goes to overtime, and they like get it down to the goal line. I was like, yeah. okay, this is where I'm finally going to get screwed. So I kind of lucked out in the outcome for Zach Moss, and still it ended up, I, I lost most of my money because of the reason that you said, like any other running back that you played didn't do anything anyway. So like the full fade, like, yeah, sure. If you told me Zach Moss was going to be score 7.7 .7 fantasy points, I'd be like, hell yeah, that, that went really well for me, but it didn't because nobody else did anything either. Uh, I am with you on Zach Moss this week. I like him as a play better this week than I did last week. Uh, we have him at 30% ownership, so it's not like we have him coming in low-owned yet again, but I would be. I, I think that you are right in that, like, just making the the like the mental, like, slight adjustment. Like, I'd be surprised if Zach Moss gets up to, like, 50% ownership this week. I'd, I'd be, I'd be, I think I'd be less surprised to see him get 20% than 40%. Like, I think that it's more likely that the ownership is lower after the game that he had last week uh decent matchup with cincinnati 
every and, and as you said, the opportunities were just there in bulk last week. Actually, sorry, great matchup against Cincinnati, 29th in terms of run DVOA on the year. Um, yeah, Zach Moss, definitely one of the running backs uh, that I'm going to be heaviest on this week against the Bengals, just given what we've seen from him in the past and the matchup this week with Cincinnati. Everything lines up for a great Zach Moss week. Uh, so I'm totally with you there. And then I, I like Jake, I like Jake Browning as a quarterback option this week. I like Jamar Chase a little bit as a payup at wide receiver, although I'm not getting to a ton of payup wide receivers. We'll be talking about them in a second here, but it, it, it fits really well with some of the lineups. So like, you know, Jake, you could go Browning with like Jamar Chase and then Zach Moss, and then you got yourself a game stack. So he fits in with some of the other players that I get to on this slate as well. And part of that also is I like Joe Mixon on the other side. And these are two running backs in Zach Moss and Joe Mixon. They're both involved in the, in the run and the passing game. So oftentimes it is negatively correlated to have running backs from opposing teams in the same lineup. I don't think it's the case with Zach Moss and Joe Mixon, because if the Colts are losing like 20 to 13, Zach Moss isn't coming off the field. He's just going to be on the field in passing situations instead. And he's going to be getting targeted a lot. And the same goes with Joe Mixon on the other side, where he's going to be on the field and involved in a lot of passing situations should the Bengals be behind in the game. So uh, another quarterback, uh, sorry, running back that I like in the mid-range is Joe Mixon. He's picking up some ownership as well, uh, but it's $6,100 on DraftKings, reasonably priced on FanDuel as well. I, I like Mixon. Yeah, Mixon looks looks totally fine. Uh, nice matchup with the Colts, 26th in terms of run of DVOA on the year. Um Maybe maybe I'm just not as much of a believer as I should be in Browning because I'm I'm like this feels like if that if that team is going to get steam it feels like a little bit of a could be a fade spot just like you know uh, assume that your priors are correct rather than what we saw last week with Jake Brown and just hope like fade the game maybe and just hope that they really that he turns back into a pumpkin and uh, they aren't able to move the ball at all I think I'll probably have some mixin I don't want to I'm not I'm not going to have a ton of mixin. We've got him at 20% ownership, 17% optimal. So I think that that gives me, you know, all of the uh, the excuse I need to be underweight to the field on Joe Mixon and make no apologies. So I think I'll be underweight to 20%. I'll probably, you know, 10% or so Joe Mixon in my lineups this week. I don't want to full fade him. It is a nice spot. Um, he's just, I, th- I feel like he's just bad. Like he, he just never, he, in, in great spots, he so often lets us down. So if he's going to be chalky in a great spot, I think, I'm willing to bet against the offense and, and hope he doesn't get there. But I mean, as you said, he's involved in the passing game. He has a, a pretty decent floor uh, and has, you know, shown the ceiling at times. So um, yeah, lo- looks like a totally fine play. I just, I think I'll, I'll probably try to find more contrarian plays than Joe Mixon. And then, I mean, like I didn't have a prior opinion on Browning before last week. Anyway, a backup quarterback comes in and you just go like, oh, this guy probably sucks. It's not like I had any reason to think Browning was no good as a quarterback, though. It's not like it's not like I'm yeah. grinding his college tape or anything. There was limited sample size on him in the NFL, but we've now seen him play four games, and the Knucks are actually really good. He's averaging 8.3 yards per pass attempt. His quarterback rating is 107.3 in the four games he's appeared in this year. So the numbers that we've seen from him overall are good, and I don't really have anything else to look at. And as far as the rushing upside goes, it seems to be some of it at least, four yeah. games, oh, yeah. 10 rushing attempts. So two and a half carries he's averaging. He averages seven yards per carry. He's also had a rushing touchdown. He has also broken off a 21-yard run at one point this year. He's only turned the ball over once across the four games he's played in. So I think there's a lot of positives about Browning. He's really cheap. So uh, yeah. also just in general, I think that game environment helps Zach Moss. It helps Joe Mixon. 
Yeah, I, I totally, I hear what you're saying. And I, I think that you, you make a good point. Like, yeah, I don't have a, a ton of like prior knowledge of, of Jake Brown, just that he's a 27 year old quarterback who, from what I heard was not expected to be very good. I guess it's just, to me, it's like a small sample size. It's one of those situations where we have a small sample size. I think that there's a wide range of outcomes. So it's just, I'm just letting ownership dictate what I do with Jake Brown and with the Bengals in general. And we just have a, a decent amount of ownership going there and if if the ownership is going to be there it feels like to me a spot where i want to fade it but but you are right we we have you know not a tiny sample size at this point we have at least a little bit of a sample size and jake browning has looked good so far the matchup is fine he has shown some rushing ability so i hear what you're saying i i think that i'm gonna be underweight to it but uh don't don't hold me to that because i i think you make a good point like we from what we've seen the price looks right there and then on the cheap end, if I'm punting a running back, it's we've talked, you know, multiple times. It's it's hard to find punt running backs this year. And then all of a sudden, back to back weeks, we get Zach Moss last week, we get Clyde Edwards Alaire this week. So if I'm going really cheap at running back at CEH and nobody else really stands out, is there anybody that I'm missing there? Is there anybody like in that sub 5K range on DK that you think outside of like Clyde Edwards Alaire, Jarek McKinnon do warrant consideration? Outside of those two. I guess if you if you want to take Brandon Staley at his word and, and you want to fade Austin Eckler and try like Joshua Kelly, I guess you could because he you know decent matchup there for Denver. Maybe maybe I'll take some shots there. Maybe I will try to take uh, Brandon Staley at his word that they're going to try new things at running back. Maybe work other guys in. So he'd be somebody you could at least make a case for. I don't know that there's anybody that I love though um, of these cheap running backs. Roshan Johnson. I mean, we, we've got Deontay Foreman coming back. Uh, so I think that it's going to be, you know, a committee there. Um, but Roshan Johnson uh, did, he, he got the bulk of the work the last time. Oh, let me, do I have this up in front of me? Yes, I do. Uh, just want to confirm what I'm saying is, why is that not working? Oh, they didn't play in week 13. Shoot. Uh, well, <laughs> as I recall, Roshan Johnson uh, got the majority of the work for the Bears in week 13. And I think it was specific to that game environment. Um, but at least, like, if he's going to get zero ownership at sub 5,000, uh, yeah, he had uh, played 75% of the snaps in week 12. He had 10 rushing attempts, ran routes on 41% of dropbacks for five targets. So at 4,900, I think that you can make a case for sure for Roshan Johnson if you just think that he retains the role that he had in week 12. I'm not confident that he does, so I want to be clear about that. But um, I think that that's, you know, the kind of case you kind of need to make for a contrarian running back who is also cheap i think that he's somebody you could consider um for the most part though i think that i am going to be paying up uh, at least like uh relative to the guys who were like five thousand and cheaper there's not a ton that i really love yeah so nothing else i really want to bring up at running back if there's nothing else that you want to bring up here let's let's get to the wide receiver so nothing else at running back neil let me just throw out uh, Detroit running backs. I have some interest in both Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery. I think that both could have opportunities uh, in a nice spot against the Bears. And then, of course, I got to throw out my Alexander Madison. I, I don't think he's a great running back, uh, but it's a nice spot against the Raiders. So at, at 5,500, I have a little bit of interest there. But outside of those, I don't think I have anybody else. All right, so let's move to wide receiver. And what's what am I getting to at wide receiver? So I have here. All right. So, and by the way, I've got all the lineups that I build in advance of this show for DraftKings and FanDuel. I do it in the Sims tool. It's also what I use to build my lineups for the main slates on Sundays and for showdown as well. If you guys want access to all the NFL tools we have, it's all included under one bundle. You can build your lineups on our site. You can simulate them on the site. And of course, the boom bust tool, ownership projections, player projections, 
top stack. So all that stuff is included as well under one bundle. So sign up using the link that we have below. If you guys want to check out our football package, wide receiver, Neil, the wide receiver on the high end, I get the most of is Jamar Chase. Uh, we've got, I get to some exposure of Keenan Allen as well, but less than the field because he's projected for nearly 20% ownership. So if I'm paying up for one guy, all things being considered, price point, ownership, and also just how they fit into the lineups that I'm playing, Jamar Chase is the one that I like the most at the high end, but most of my wide receiver exposure is more in like the mid-range to upper mid-range. What do you like, if anything, at the expensive wide receivers? I do really like Keenan Allen. I mean, I've talked about how much I like that game environment. Oh, and by the way, one final, I didn't mention Javante Williams, but I, I like that game environment a lot. He's another running back I'll consider in that game. Uh, but Keenan Allen, I think is probably the, uh, the high price wide receiver. I'll get to the most. He is also the chalkiest. Uh, so I, I'm not going to like, I'm not too excited about it when he's getting 17% ownership. But we have a little bit of positive leverage there on Keenan Allen, 18% chance of being optimal. I'll probably be above weight to the 17% we have going to Keenan Allen. I think he is my favorite. Um, I think it's it's largely going to be with with high price wide receivers, especially they are going to be tied to the stack. So it's like I'll, I'll have Stefan Diggs if I'm playing either Allen or Mahomes. I'm probably not going to have a ton of Stefan Diggs outside of that game stack. Same thing with Keenan Allen. I, I hate to say it, but I don't think I'm going to get to a ton of Justin Jefferson, even at 8,500. He's, he hasn't played with Josh Dobbs yet. Maybe maybe they'll surprise us and he'll, he'll be targeted 15 times and put up a huge game. Uh, I don't think I'm going to have a ton there on Justin Jefferson, but like also Amon Ross St. Brown, I talked about, I like, I have some interest in Jared Goff stacks. I have some interest in Justin Fields stacks. It's again going to be part of, he'll, he'll be part of stacking the games. I don't know that I'm going to have a ton individually in part because I do like the expensive running back. So I think when it comes to expensive receivers, I'm mostly just going to be playing them when I'm playing uh, the, the game stack there. And then if we get a little bit cheaper as we look at like the low 7K range to getting into the 6K range, a few guys that stand out to me here uh, and also some ownership to talk about. We do brands and IU projected for 19% ownership and Debo Samuel only 8%. I think one good way to get some leverage off of the 49ers or if you're playing a Purdy stack I mean, there's clearly immense upside in Debo Samuel. I do think Brandon Ayuk is generally the better stacking partner with, with Brock Purdy because he's more involved in the passing game, whereas Debo, it could be, you know, gadget plays. It could be in the running game. But I don't know that that means that Ayuk should be 2.5x the ownership of Debo Samuel. So that's a way that I like getting some leverage is playing Debo instead of Ayuk. But not anything I'm, like, massively overweight to. I'm just a little bit overweight to Debo and then underweight to Brandon Ayuk. Ayuk, like I mentioned, nearly 20% owned, Debo 10%, and I get to about 10% of each of them. So one way you can get off Ayuk is by playing some Debo. The wide receiver I really do like in this price range if the weather holds up, though, DJ Moore, $6,500 on DraftKings. If you're going to play lineups that have Justin Fields, DJ Moore has silently had a very big fantasy season. He's been inconsistent, but it's for a couple of different reasons. Number one, Justin Fields has been in and out of the lineup. He's been banged up. That's probably had some impact on DJ Moore. We look at some of these games. He had the Thursday night football game against Washington where he had eight catches for 230 yards and three touchdowns. Last couple of weeks, 11 or sorry, 13 targets and nine targets led to 11 and seven receptions. DJ Moore playing with Justin Fields has drawn a ton of targets more often than not. So that is a combination I like, especially if DJ Moore is going to remain only 5% on. Yeah, I would say that he is another example of somebody that I'm probably only playing in game stacks. I don't think I'm playing a ton of DJ Moore um like outside of lions 
Bears game stacks. But he, he does make a lot of sense, and he's going to be a big part. Because I am playing a lot of that game, I'm going to have a good amount of DJ Moore. Um, I just think on the days when DJ Moore puts up a big score, Justin Fields probably is going to also, especially with the the rushing upside that Fields adds. So I like him particularly in field stacks. You can you can certainly play him on his own. As you said, he's put up some huge scores this year. Uh, I just think they typically correlate with Fields also putting up huge scores. So I like him better in field stacks than outside of them. Yeah, and I see that uh, Brandon Katz is back in the in the world. He's in the YouTube chat, and apparently uh, he he's agreeing with a lot of the things that I'm saying here, which is different from normal. So I don't know what to make of that, but Brandon, good to see you back in the YouTube <laughs> chat there. And anybody, if you want to support our shows, you just like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel, take a half second to do that. It really goes a long way in helping us keep our content free. Uh, other running, or sorry, other wide receivers in the mid range, Neil. Anything that stands out to you as being a priority guy in like this five six k range? Yeah, I mean, I I keep going back to that that uh, Denver Chargers game, which I, I keep talking about it, and it's probably going to be like seventeen to ten kind of a game. But um, I'm at least I'm hopeful that they could put up big scores because the defenses aren't great. I think the offenses have upside. Cortland Sutton at sixty one hundred. We have him overowned nine percent ownership, six percent chance of being optimal. But I like him in the spot. Uh, I think he'll be. You know, again, part of those game stacks mostly. I actually have some interest in Jerry Judy. And I think that I sometimes I, I kind of just default to the guy who hasn't really done it, but we've seen the talent in the past. We know he'll get some targets. Uh, we we actually, and Jerry Judy is, is 4,700 because he hasn't really gotten it done this year. And I still think he has at least the upside for big games. Like he's still the wide receiver two there in Denver. So at 4,700, he is a, a player that I have some interest in. We do, we do have him slightly over-owned, so... Not too excited about it, but kind of interesting there. Um, trying to see if there's any other like real priorities in the mid-range. I have one that I'm getting to a lot here, and that is Rashi Rice's recent uptick in workload is pretty interesting to me. It's been very difficult all year to find that if you're playing Patrick Holmes, yeah, you stack with Travis Kelsey, but what wide receiver do you pair him with? You know, Rashi Rice had the really big game in week one, and then we kind of saw his workload tail off. Nine targets last week, 10 targets the week before. This is a guy who we saw the Chiefs use some draft capital on. He's appeared to be very talented when he's been out on the field. Kadarius Tony has fallen out of favor because uh, that seems to be what always happens with Kadarius Tony. No matter where he's at, different teams, different situations. Uh, ultimately, the coaching staff and him have a falling out. But all this uptick workload by Rashi Rice, I do have Patrick Mahomes as my most rostered quarterback. I'm primarily stacking with Travis Kelsey, but I like Rashi Rice being a part of those combinations as well as part of double stacks. So Rice in a game that should be pretty high scoring against the Buffalo Bills, he's my favorite wide receiver by a mile to get to from the Chiefs. And if his recent workload is something that's going to sustain, I think he's way underpriced on both DK and FanDuel. Yeah, nine targets last game, uh, ran routes on, I want to say like two-thirds of dropbacks he was running routes, so that's kind of promising. Uh, it's at least an uptick for where he has been, and who knows, maybe it continues to tick up for Rashi Rice. Yeah, I definitely think he's in play. We, we do have him getting some ownership, 17% ownership going there, so um, you know, not a super contrarian play, but I agree. Like He, he makes sense. Uh, after, after Kelsey, he would be the next best stacking partner with Mahomes. Uh, so yeah, I'm with you on having some Rashi Rice interest. Um, Elijah Moore at 4,500 is actually somebody who I have some interest in with Joe Flacco, uh, quarterbacking. They, they have history together in New York. Last week we saw Elijah Moore, uh, was very involved in the game plan. Joe Flacco was targeting him and even targeting him downfield. So I do think Elijah Moore at 4,500 is somebody that I have some interest in. Um, I'm not going to go 
overboard there. But uh, yeah, it's not, not a great spot against the Jaguars. He's the sub 5K wide receiver I get the most exposure to when I run my lineups through everything. And, you know, Amari Cooper not expected to play. Elijah Moore also is somebody who's very talented. And another guy, I mean, the targets have been there with different quarterbacks playing for the Browns as of late. And also, like I said, Amari Cooper banged up. And we've already seen the last four games. Elijah Moore, seven targets, seven targets, nine targets, 12 targets. It's kind of like we were talking about the Kyron Williams situation before. Is he doing a ton with these targets? No, he's been pretty inefficient. But there's a really high floor if you're going to be expected to get like seven, eight targets at the price point he's at. So I like Elijah Moore a lot. And then one other player who's cheap, that's a contrarian option that I like getting to, uh, fits into some game stacks, is uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. If you're looking to run back something from the 49ers Seahawks game, that's one way to make that lineup different is to get Jackson Smith and Jigba as a run back in Purdy lineups. Another guy who's seen an uptick in workload last game against Dallas, 11 or sorry, 11 targets for Jackson Smith and Jigba caught seven of them for 62 yards. We haven't seen the touchdowns as of late, but also keep in mind that we've seen him have touchdowns called back a couple of times that I remember in the last few games. So JSN $4,100 on DK, more of a DK specific play for me, but somebody who I does, who I do think makes sense in some of those game stacks and is contrarian. Yeah, no, I think JSN makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, he had he had that touchdown in, uh, last week that got called back, yeah. changes everything if he scores that touchdown. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on JSN as somebody that I'm going to have in some lineups. Part of me is wondering if if I'm overlooking uh, the Colts as as like a, a full on stack. Didn't bring up Gardner Minshew when we were talking about quarterbacks, but uh, sort of interesting. Alec Pierce is only thirty seven hundred. I know uh, Linquist was on him last week. We saw him end up actually. He ran routes on 87% of dropbacks last week. So Alec Pierce kind of like for a little while seemed to be falling out of favor. Josh Downs seemed to have surpassed him as a wide receiver too. Now this past week, Alec Pierce, 87% route participation uh, to Josh Downs, 70% Alec Pierce saw six targets in the last game. So I think he's a little bit interesting as a cheap option. He's only 3,700. So the price tag didn't come up after his big game last week. I think that's another spot you can consider as far as cheaper uh, wide receivers go. Darnell Mooney, kind of interesting to me at 3,300. Uh, if if you're playing into that game environment, the Lions have been worse against slot receivers, which is where Darnell Mooney primarily plays. He's only 3,300. We actually have positive leverage there in the tools, 3% ownership, 5% optimal. He has been so disappointing for the Bears, but I, you know, if he's ever going to do it, I think this is a good spot. 3,300 against the Lions pass defense that is bad against slot receivers. He's somebody that kind of, you know, stands out to me as somebody that, you know, maybe as a low owned play, I'll take a few shots there. Uh, and then I also want to say Khalil Shakir um, did not get, has not really gotten it done. He continues to be out there on the field though, in the most recent game for the bills, 77% route participation saw five targets. I still think, you know, if, if that's another game environment where if you, if you want to, uh, you know, play uniquely within that game environment that's going to be kind of popular Khalil Shakir is a guy that you can consider at three percent ownership so we we have some you know fairly low owned cheaper wide receiver options that I think I'm going to work into my lineups this week all right let's go ahead and look at the tight ends next and uh, one other thing I want to mention too is that if you guys want access to the betting product that we have over at odd shopper the betting portion of our site there's a link for that below to sign up and you can also use the promo code Greg Get yourself 20% off. That is G-R-E-G, all capital letters. That'll get you 20% off. And also over at Odd Shopper, we have everything included together now. So 
You get the market-based betting algorithm. You also get picks from everybody. So like myself, Eric, uh, everybody who we have over on the Odd Chopper channel, Aton, Ben Raza, we're all in Discord. We answer you guys' questions. We throw some of our favorite bets in there. So we've got something for everybody in there. Whether you just want the betting model, we've got that. If you want community, we've got that in Discord. If you just want picks from us, that's included as well. Or you get everything, all included in that one bundle and 20% off when you sign up with the promo code GREG. Uh, let's look at the tight ends, Neil. And this is a, kind of a disaster of a tight end slate, in my opinion. I am really spread out. I do not have a single tight end in more than 20% of my lineup. So I ran everything through the Sims. And a couple of things that are known about, about this. Number one, I've had a lot of weeks this season where I've played a bunch of double tight end lineups because that's what's kind of projected to be optimal. That's happened less the last couple of weeks because we had an actual value play running back last week in Zach Moss. This week, we have a very cheap one in Clyde Edwards-Alaire, which minimizes the need for me to save salary with some of these double tight end lineups. And then the tight end options, I don't like them all that much. Travis Kelsey is clearly my favorite, but he's expensive on both FanDuel and DraftKings. So I get to him in 16 and 18% of lineups across the two sites, which makes him my most rostered tight end. But it's not like I'm jamming him or anything because the price becomes a little bit of an issue. He's in most of my Mahomes lineups, but I don't get quite as much of him in lineups that are outside of Patrick Mahomes. Is there anybody you look at a tight end and say like, oh, that's the guy this week? No, I think I'm with you. I think it's, it's going to be pretty spread out for me. Um, and I like I don't think it's that ugly. It's just like it's it's not very clear. Like there are a lot of tight ends that I think have a shot to put up a big score, but nobody that I'm like expecting a huge score. Um, so I think it's, it's kind of just, uh, I don't know. It's a hard, hard to read a lot of wide range of outcomes for a lot of different tight ends. As you said, Travis Kelsey uh, looks really strong. We have in terms of optimal odds, we have four reaching double digits, Travis Kelsey, David Njoku, Kyle Pitts, and George Kittle in there. Uh, of those four, the only one that I'm pretty sure I'm not going to play much of. And man, that is, it's kind of crazy to say, do, do I really mean, I, I was going to say, I don't think I'm going to play a ton of Kyle Pitts. I just don't think that he looks healthy out there. He's 3,700. It feels insane to say I have like very little interest in a $3,700 Kyle Pitts, but he just hasn't gotten it done. Uh, I don't think I'm going there. So outside of Kyle Pitts, I, I do like Kelsey and Njoku. Kittle all look good to me. Um, I, I think I'm going back to Isaiah likely. He hasn't really gotten it done, um, but they, you know, they, they did say they want him to play that Mark Andrews role in their week 12 game. He ran routes on 69% of dropbacks. He was, you know, tied for second on the team in that game, saw five targets in the game. So I do think like we saw it last year, some games, some big games for Isaiah likely when Mark Andrews is out. Um, I think I'm still willing to take shots there and, and, you know, hope that they, they stick to their word when they say that they want to use him in that Mark Andrews role now that Mark Andrews. Uh, so he kind of stands out to me as, as somebody that I, I think I'm more interested in than the field. Uh, I like Laporta, but he's 6,100. I'll probably play him only in uh, game stacks for the most part. I like Kincaid. Similarly, though, just in game stacks for the most part. Yeah, it's going to be a spread out tight end week for me as well. Yeah, and if I go through the ones that I get double-digit exposure to, it's Njoku, it's Kittle, it's Kelsey, it's Pitts, it's Cole Komet but none of them popping up a ton for me. And like, I don't feel great about Kyle Pitts either. He shows up in 11% of my lineups here, Neil. But then I look at the other tight ends. Like, I don't feel great about a lot of these other guys either. Kyle Pitts had two games the entire year with double-digit fantasy points. Uh, just crazy. He was somebody who, even like last year, coming off a disappointing rookie season, he was getting drafted, you know, like fairly highly in redraft leagues and best ball. And yeah, just everybody's kind of off of Kyle Pitts. He was the biggest conversation every single week for the longest time. And he's kind of been supplanted in a different way by the HN conversations. And uh, we kind of missed out on that when HN went on the IR and then got yeah. re-injured after that. 
but that was that was he was he was Kyle Pitts was HM before HM in terms of the guys that everybody was <laughs> debating online. If I'm looking for a contrarian tight end, uh, Brevin Jordan at $3,100, we saw him get more involved with the Texans, which makes sense because Dalton Schultz banged up for them at tight end. So Brevin Jordan, last game, four targets, caught three of them for 64 yards. I mean, how good CJ Stroud is. This is an unknown cheap tight end who's going to be in a pretty good situation with a very good quarterback. So that's my contrarian tight end that I like. Yeah, I like the call. It's you know, it's obviously a tough spot with the Jets, but uh, yeah, just he's he's cheap enough and has enough opportunities that could work out. Uh, Colin pointed out the the reasons to play Kyle Pitts, so you know, I'm just I'm I'm ready to write him off. And Colin says Kyle Pitts week, he's in a smash spot against a team that can't defend the slot, and he gets all his targets from the slot. That's fair. Like he actually he looks good in the tools, so it's I'm probably wrong to to say that I want to just fully just avoid Kyle Pitts. I think he's just he's burned me too many times at this point. I've just I've let Kyle Pitts into my lineups for a couple of years now and he just hasn't gotten it done. Uh but that is that's a fair point that he you know still looks okay here. Um yeah. I have no confidence in any of these tight ends other than Travis yeah. Kelsey and it's so difficult to get up to him. So I'm going to I'm going to have like 20 tight ends in my pool and there's just going to be different guys going to be rotated into different lineups in the Sims based on who the quarterbacks are and the runbacks which it's just the way tight end is looking some of the other slates it's been like hey just jam mcbride but we don't have it as an right. option so let's finish with this neil and if you guys haven't done yet like the video subscribe to the youtube channel shout out to rainmakers who is sponsoring the show if you're making one lineup neil whether it be single entry or a large field tournament what would be the quarterback and the stacking options you go to in that lineup all right i feel like i've talked over and over about this denver and chargers game so i should probably just go there i'll just do that i'm just going to go justin herbert keenan allen uh, and I think I just leave it at those two: Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Mahomes, Kelsey, and Rashi Rice. That's the one that I'm landing on as my most rostered stack now. So that's that's what I'm going to settle on: Mahomes, Kelsey, Rashi Rice. I feel like you can never go too poorly if you're going Mahomes, and it's not like he's expected to be all that popular for this slate either. So uh, let's go, Chiefs guys. Once again, if you haven't done it, like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Good luck in Week 14, and Neil and I will be back here next week to break down Week 15 of the season. Peace out.